Hi there, and welcome to season two of the Vinyl Crawl podcast. It's kind of crazy that we uh, we had so much success with season one. I'm, I've been really happy about it and really excited to get into season two now, uh, where Matt and myself, uh, I guess you should say I'm Alan Miller. Uh, I'm the main host of Vinyl Crawl, and myself and Matt Pfefferkorn are on most of the episodes. Uh, this season, we're looking at live albums, so... Should be a lot of really good uh, material for both of us to talk about. And I also went and did some remote recordings at uh, different pubs around Bowling Green, Kentucky and Louisville, Kentucky. And I'm hoping to get some in Nashville, too, if I get a chance. Nashville, Tennessee. So yeah, I think it's going to be a great season. and I hope you stick around for it. We've actually got a really cool sponsor this season as well. Uh, it's a online and uh, brick and mortar store called Bull Moose who sell music, movies, video games, books, lots of different, you know, multimedia and, and hard media stuff. Uh, they, they look like they have some stores up in Maine and New Hampshire. So if you wanted to go into one of their shops, there's, there's plenty up there. They've got them all listed on their website. Uh, one thing that's coming up that I know you can buy in their web shop is the, the new Peter Gabriel reissue for his, uh, I believe it was like 1990 or 91 album Us, which is a incredible record. Uh, he's reissuing it with a deluxe packaging, and it's uh, it's it's been remastered, and they have remastered in a good way, I should add. They've cut the record to 45 RPM instead of 33, so it's a lot more clarity to it. Um, it it's a it's an all around fantastic album, and I see that they've got it in some of their stores and also available online. So. I would highly recommend going to their store and actually, you know, buying that one because that's that's a record that everyone should have in their collection. So, uh, bullmoose.com, B-U-L-L-M-O-O-S-E.com. Give them a look. Loads of cool, also lots of old record store day stuff on their website too. That's one really cool thing they've got is they've got all of their uh, old record store day stuff and their RSD 2016 stuff. So if there's something you were looking for and couldn't find, check it out on there and see if you can find it. So without further ado, enjoy episode one of season two of The Vine Crawl. This is Alan. This is Matt. This is the Vinyl Crawl season two. Welcome back. Back for the attack. That's right. Yep. It was a really good season one. We had yes, great listenership, so thank you everyone for that. Cheers toast, to season one. Toast to that. We really appreciate it. We had a good time uh, taping all of them. Taping. What is this? 1986. What am I talking Get about? The analog. Here? Out, I know. Man. We had Let's a good time it. recording all of those. We're going so. back to tape. Yeah, we are. Yep. We're gonna have to. That is. That's a. Should we do that? Should back we go to back tape? to tape? I've got that that two track recorder. We could do it. The reel that would to reel. Be awesome. Be a little loud. The reel to reel running is a little right. loud. Right. Yeah. But yeah, so we're back for season two. Um this season we've actually got a title for it, unlike the first season. The first season was kind of a mish mishmash of things. Right. This season actually has uh, a goal, I guess you could say. And the okay. goal is to stay on the wire. Without a net, right? <laughs> That's right. Yeah. So season two is called Without a Net because it's all live albums. Yeah. The whole thing. We're going to do 12 pub stops, 12 live albums, hopefully. 
And to start it off, what better way to start it what off? What better way? Live Dead. Live Dead. 1969 Grateful Dead. And the beer we're drinking to go with it is the Against the Grain Brewery Citra Ass Down. Yes. With, uh, are they going with the Duck Dynasty guy on the front? Is that what they're kind of <laughs> I don't know. Do? It's a dude with like a, a mace, like an old medieval mace kind of thing. And yeah. And he's got like a goose in front of him with Seems arrows like that was it. before. The, it, was the it? Duck Dynasty Yeah, I don't stuff. know. It's kind of weird looking. But it is a double India pale ale. It is 8.2%, so a little hefty. Not terribly bad, but pretty hefty. Very nice flavor. Yeah, it is. For me, at um, least. This let me is, take another sip. This you is you the, tell me what you think of it. This is the type I like, you know, very citrusy, flowery, grapefruity. Some, like, lemon rind kind of thing uh, yeah. to it. I get a lot yep. of lemon out of it. Yep. I like it. Um, the problem is, it comes in bombers. Yeah. For whatever twelve ninety nine or something like that, or you can get a four pack of these sixteen ounce cans. So what do we consider a bomber? What, what twenty two ounces? Okay. Twenty four ounces. Gotcha. But you can get a four pack of these cans, sixteen ounce. Yeah. Affectionately known as Tall Boys. Tall Boys. Yep. Yeah. Uh, for eleven ninety nine. So I like uh, the Tall Boys. Yeah, you know they but, do have on the back that you need to drink it at exactly forty eight degrees. Yep, and we are. And it says a drink from the can, which we're not. Well, we're sharing, so we are deviating a little bit from yeah. the from the rules. But it says this beer is not candy or mother's milk. That's an <laughs> odd thing to say. I don't know. I think it's not, it was mother's milk. <laughs> it's not brewed by gypsies or aliens, nor does it contain any zombie dirt. Did you did you watch Mad Max, by the way, speaking of mother's milk? Have you seen that yet? The new one? Yeah. No. Okay. So we won't talk about it then. This is a double IPA brewed with citra hops, which is citra type of hop, I guess, mm-hmm. maybe. Okay. Uh, simply drink it and enjoy it. Don't hoard this beer. Sit your ass down and drink it now. That and that's pretty the, much what we're doing. That is exactly what we're doing. Um, I do. I enjoy it. Um, yeah. Oh yeah. I don't know if I love it. I, I probably need a little time with it. Drink a few of them. You'll love it. <laughs> I'd say two of these down, and I'll be yeah. I'll be fine. The problem is it's it's rotating, but you don't see it in cans that like it comes to town. A couple times a year. Yeah. So when Which, I see it. I wonder it, if we get more here since they're a Louisville-based brewery, maybe? Not really. I mean, it's been a while since I went out to get some at the store. Saw it there, and they had two four-packs left, and I just. So did. you think it's a common that people tend to grab whenever they oh, see yeah. it? Okay. Yeah. Have we met those guys, too, at like a vinyl takeover? Have they ever come in as one of the beer sponsors for that? That's a good question. I want to say we have, but I can't. I think we have. Yeah. I want to say I we. I really think Because I have. think they've been in a couple times, if yeah. I if I yeah. remember right. But, yeah, it, it's a solid uh, citrusy IPA kind of thing. Yeah. It doesn't really taste it's like a, little, a true IPA to There's me. a little malt. It's more of an American yeah. IPA. Good summer beer, though. Oh, yeah. Good good summer yeah. beer flavors. Yep. So let's move on to the album. Yes. And we need to do a disclaimer before any dead album we do that you do host <laughs> a show every Sunday night on 
D93 in Bowling Green, Kentucky. You can stream that online as well, You can right? stream it online. Six, o- six o- five o'clock. Five to seven. Five to seven. Central Standard Time. Yep, five to seven Central Standard Time called Dead Air with Mellow Matt, where you play the choicest live <laughs> and studio dead cuts and also cuts from bands related to the Grateful Dead That's in, right. in some way, shape, or form. Yes. Are you still on your kick when you're doing different songs every show? Yes. Um now at this point in the year, uh, I've gone six months excluding, we just did the 78, complete 78 July box set. Okay. So obviously there were some repeats, but that was more of a special show focusing on that box set. But outside of that, haven't repeated a song for six months. That is, and I'm well over a hundred songs. And we're not talking about like different live versions of a song. We're saying no. you have not repeated yeah. a song. If I've played Bird Song, which I did the first week of January, you uh, haven't played Bird Song I haven't since. Played Bird Song since. That's impressive. That's a feat. Yeah, it's it's pretty cool because honestly, it keeps me on my toes and gets me thinking about yeah other songs, whether they're obscure or. You know, if no, no, one thing I guess to keep in mind is if it was a band like the Ramones or something where there's only two and a half minute songs, you'd right. probably have a little bit more trouble filling two sure. hours with different, right? The dead do give you a little leeway there because they like to extend the song out yeah. to 20, yeah. 25, 30. And that's another fun game to play. One hour of the show, I only played two songs <laughs> one time, so it's fun to go, you know, or like one. One hour, I said, yeah, this will be like a first set hour. So I just played first set songs, whether it's yeah. Cowboy Bobby or Jerry Tunes and this, or whatever. This 1969 live album we're going to talk about called Live Slash Dead yeah. is their first live album. In my opinion, it, it cap, and correct me if I'm wrong, but it really captures that 60s dead sound. It does. Like the psychedelic slash bluesy yeah. Grateful Dead which they morphed into a more folky slash psychedelic dead into the seventies and then like late seventies into right. disco and everything else and funk and yeah, you know, reggae and, and everything. This album, almost, it's almost like it closed the book on their then focusing on the psychedelic chapter. Yeah. And then they moved on to that Americana sound or yeah. something like that. It's almost like American beauty is what? 71. No, it's like 69 or 70. And Working Man's was 70 also. Those were just practically back-to-back. And they're pretty much right after this live release. Right after this, yeah. Well, that's interesting. I I thought they were a little bit later. No. So they they kind of spearheaded that Americana movement a little bit then to be that early. I would say them and the band, you know, music from Big Pink was a big... And the Birds. That sort of thing. You know, they were all buddies. They all hung out yeah, together. Yeah, true. Graham uh, Parsons. That whole like Laurel Canyon mm-hmm. group hung out with the same. They were all part of that California scene. Yeah. Yep. Um, West but, Coast Americana. Yeah. The, exactly. West Coast trying to be Middle America. Right. Americana. <laughs> yeah. But the Live Dead album is kind of. Uh, it's impressive because it doesn't. It doesn't sound like the Dead that everybody kind of knows in a way. Yeah. Like when I listened to that album, I just gave it a listen this morning cause it'd been, I hadn't heard it since I was probably my teens. I did listen to it in my teens. I remember having that on CD, but it opens with dark star. So, and it's also, it's live at the Fillmore. We got to mention that. So yeah, was, one of their 
best venues. Pretty much, yeah. Um, All recorded at the Fillmore. Um, so what do you think about that Dark Star? I, it's 23 or 25 minutes, I can't. Yeah, it's it, one side of an album. Yeah, and it does know. meander a little bit in a couple spots, but for a Dark Star, which was one of their yeah. staples, it's pretty tight. Well, and this that they captured, like, you know, there's 68 dead, there's 69 dead. 68 was really good. 69 was golden. Right. So it's almost like they had been focusing and practicing on these songs so much and how they bridged into one another, you know, whether it was um, St. Stephen, the 11, New Potato Caboose, all that stuff. But it's almost like by 69, they had mastered it perfectly and just been a band for under five years. And we also have to mention that this was the same time period when they were dabbling heavy in psychedelics. Oh, yeah. For their stage show. Yeah. You know, they would eat a handful of mushrooms, drop acid, whatever, before going on stage. Sure. Even to the point of maybe even being too high to go on stage at times. <laughs> right, yeah. I remember Bob Weir telling the story about they ate a bunch of acid, and they went up to get on stage, and they picked up their guitars, and he said he looked at his like it was something he'd never seen before in his yeah. life. And he promptly turned the volume down, kicked the amp off, set it back on the stand, and walked back off stage because yeah. he knew he had to come down a little bit before he was going to be able right. to play. So that's pretty heavy experimentation that, when you get to that yeah, point. That too. Um, the Dark Star to me is an A-plus Dark Star. Yeah, it's great. It's solid. Um, while it may meander a little bit, it keeps the main theme and never runs off track, really. Right. You know. And it leads into St. Stephen. Right. Which, the one, I loved the St. Stephen on here, and I, I remember listening to this live version in particular a lot growing up, but they're a little loose on it. There's a lot of bum notes in it, like even more than normal. For yeah. what, I didn't really notice it until I listened to it today, and it might have just been because maybe it's been remastered so much now you can really hear what's going on mm-hmm. clearly. But I noticed that when it starts off, there's a lot of like, accidental feedback and a lot of uh jerry and bob kind of missing notes together and right. then you get that weird bum sharp yeah. or something You're like oh what was that but then it comes into itself once it you know once it kicks in with the normal verse and stuff yeah. it really comes into itself yeah which that was a state saint stephen is all was always a staple so. it was a staple especially in the 60s um into the very early 70s but then you know they dropped it and didn't play it again until 83. Yeah. And even then, it was only a handful of times. Now, you might be able to tell me more about it, but one weird thing about this version of St. Stephen is at the end, when they when they do the finale of it, they go into a marching beat, and they do some kind of like Irish jig kind of thing at the end. It's almost like a reel. Like yeah. they're, they're just kind of spitting lyrics without really singing them. It's more of just like a da 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 kind of like an Irish mm-hmm. type thing. Um, and it's all like a little bit anti-war, a little bit, you know, counterculture kind of thing. Right, yeah. Do you remember that at all? Like, I know it's probably been a little bit I since don't. You, I'd have to listen to it. It's... I had I didn't remember it until I listened to it today, no, yeah. and I was like, what is, what's going on here? It's like a solid maybe minute and a half right. where... Mickey just goes to this marching beat, kind of thing, and then they start spouting weird lyrics, and it's 
I got to think it's probably like a, an anti-war right. type thing since well, it's a 69. Given the time frame and all the benefits they were doing and stuff. But it leads straight into the 11 yeah. from that like oh, yeah. marching beat. Yep. And that, you know, that marching beat kind of signals the 11 too. So I got to be honest, I don't really like the 11 that really? much. Yeah, is that one of your favorites? I'd like to see it live more. Yeah. I, ne- I never saw it until further played it, you know, post Jerry. Yeah. But uh, I don't know. To me, it was always part of this time frame of the dead. You know, I expected it and loved it. And I, it just sounds confusing to me because it feels like they're trying to shoehorn folk into psych rock without it really meshing. The the way Jerry sings it, I believe Jerry sings on that one. If I remember, it's either him or Bob. I can't remember which one, but the way they sing the folk song is like a traditional folk song with all that weird psychedelic styling behind it. Yeah. And it just, to me, when I listen, it never clicks. And that mixed in with how long it takes just to get to the verse. Cause you know, they jam on it for oh, yeah. a solid it's 10 minutes, 10 minutes yeah. just before the verse ever starts. Right. To me, I just, I didn't get enough payoff with it. Like I really listened to the jam and I yeah. was like, okay, this is fine. All right. Okay, guys. Okay. Okay. It was almost like, you know, with the psychedelics, you get caught in a loop sometimes. It's almost like they were just caught in this loop. Yeah. And they were just going to keep, I don't know. Keep taking it. I don't know. You, you're too impatient, man. Just might be. Kick back and listen to it. (laughs) That's actually, it's a really good point. It, it might be a difference in people of that time versus people of now, because then it was, you go to the show, you sit down, you're quiet and you just watch what's happening. Yeah. And it doesn't matter if a jam takes 25 minutes. That's how long it takes. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, you might be onto something there (laughs) for real, but I don't know. The 11, the 11 doesn't really do it for me. And the other thing that doesn't really do it for me is the transition from the 11 and to turn on your love light. It's a hard cut. They try to move it, but it's yeah. like, well, boom, and then just a hard cut. Yeah, you can't. There's no real transition into love light that much. <laughs> and, um, and we could even, you know, we could break it down even further as like, it's the transition between the dead and Pigpen's the dead. Yeah. Is the transition right. between the 11 and to turn on your love light. Because Pigpen was not into the psychedelic side. He wanted... It was a blues band. Right. Or a jug band. Right. You know, that was Pigpen, and that's what he liked. It's Maybe even a, some of the country stuff. Right, exactly. It's almost you as know. stark a difference as, like, Peter Green era Fleetwood Mac to Stevie Nicks era Fleetwood True. Mac. It's almost that stark yeah. of a difference between the two. Because Pigpen era dead is so different. He than, wants, you know, Good Morning Little Schoolgirl. Um uh smokestack lightning yeah that type of thing operator which yeah. is kind of country blues but you know on this one they had tc on keyboards to add that psychedelic side and that's what's going to add the, the dark star yeah. i mean he's killer on that dark star the the organ work on this album is incredible yeah. yep it's very reminiscent of airplane with their organ work true but it's yeah. incredible on its own. Like, right. It's almost worth listening just for like the psychedelic organ work on it. Cause it's, it, it's yeah. great. And the way the guitar follows, it's really nice too. Like the other thing is Phil's bass is really upfront on this album. You hear a lot of his That's bass true. work on it. It is. Yeah. And it's really tight. Yeah. Which, you know, he, he later would. on he'd get a little loose, but like 
at this time period, he was really solid. He practiced his <laughs> ass off. Right. You know. Yeah, I mean, that's one thing I really like about this early dead is they're playing like like their life kind of depends on it. Like they're they're playing for their supper right now. Right. They're not so much in a mode where they know people are going to show up. People are going to be there. They just got to show up and run through the songs and people are going to listen regardless. On this, they're like, no, nah, we gotta, we gotta come up here and yeah. work it. And they're they, perfect. They were trying to be perfectionist. Yeah, you know, they really were. Um, when to, they were even re- to a fault at times. But. Yeah, Anthem of the Sun when they were recording their studio albums and that one in particular, they were so trying to make it a Sergeant Pepper. Yeah, you know, yeah. they were practice, practice, practice. And and in their defense, all those bands got so distraught by the Beatles and by Pet Sounds that they felt they had to do it to just compete with that level of musicianship. So I, I understand it. Like, you know, that's that those albums really shook these guys up bad. Yeah. But I love turn on your love light on here. Oh man. I think that's it's great. Pig pen. He, he's his, aping howling wolf the whole time. Like he's killer. I mean, he's, that he's doing is the his, howl half the time. Yeah. Too. Like he's, he's doing the whole thing. And the first, um, the first introduction I had to the version of Love Light on here was on a Warner Brothers 1969 Various album, which is a great... Which one? Um, I'll have to go pull it. I it think... wasn't... That, we're not talking about Bear's Choice, are we? No, 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 no. This It was a Warner Brothers Various oh, thing. Okay. They used to have what they called the Lost oh, Leaders. Yes. yes, okay. I think it's called the 1969 Warner Brothers Show. Or something. They had like the big ball and all these other yes, like yeah. yeah. But the '69 one in particular is awesome. If if people out there listening find it, yeah, get it because you've got the Dead is on it, uh, Van Morrison's on it, Ed right. Sanders from the Fugs is on it, Captain Beefheart's on it, um, Wild Man Fisher's on it. So, but they had a version of Love Light from this album on it. Except it was the edited version. Oh, man. So they cut the drums out of the middle. Right. But it sounds tight. I mean, it's great. It's a yeah. it's a four-minute, concise love light. I mean, I guess if, if we're being truthful, the drums thing goes on for a little too long. Because it's just drums and pig pen yelling. Like yeah. For well, that's what solid... love light was back yeah. then. It was always 15 minutes. Sometimes 25. Right. Depending on know? how the night's going. Yeah. Right. And yeah, depend on if there's a bottle of whiskey up there. Bye. Did you? Um, I I kind of got this weird vibe that the drums were trying to mimic "Sympathy for the Devil" a lot in that break, because he starts going into that same like intro yeah. drum beat from "Sympathy for the Devil," and it just kind of keeps growing. Hmm. And I was like, I wonder I if they, because you know they had to be listening to that sort of thing at the time. I guess though, but I mean, how widely available would something like that be although i don't i was gonna ask you if they had much of a connection with the stones if they were they had a little bit of one because the dead were gonna play altamont, altamont. Yeah, and they said fuck no and when they, they got said, out there sorry Cass. <laughs> <That's okay. laughs> this is an explicit podcast i apologize <laughs> um yeah, so yeah they, they heard about the hell's angels and they got out and they got out which it was ironic because the Hell's Angels were usually friends of the dead. Yeah. You know, as but they, far they as knew they things do, that kind of turned, the yeah. tide had turned. They knew the Hell's Angels were a little on edge. Right. They yeah. knew better than to do it. They knew it was going to be disastrous. Mm-hmm. 
So, yeah, that's why I wondered just just by hearing that, like, I didn't feel like they were ripping off the Stones, but I feel like they had that in the back of their head when they were yeah. going through that drum break. Well, and everybody back then either you probably either borrowed stuff or you were on other people's albums, you yeah. know, airplanes, Santana, new riders. New riders. Yeah. Um, uh, was that Cody? Uh, Oh, commander Cody. They were part of that. Sop with camel. I mean, there were all those, Yeah. you know, Quicksilver too. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, it's, it's great. It's like, it's is it a do you think it's a highlight of the album? Like would you consider would you consider that a highlight of the album? Love like, Light? Yeah. I would say that when they were making this album, that is the centerpiece that they were going for. Because yeah. Pig back then was the dead. Yeah, that's true. He he was kind of the the co-lead, I guess. I mean, it, Jerry was still kind of leading as well, but leading in a different direction than yeah. Pig was leading. They were kind of like a co-leader kind of deal, right? right? Like they had the blues and they had yeah. the psych and folk and yeah. bluegrass and all that that Jerry was into. Yeah. But yeah, uh, I I love I liked it a lot. I just hadn't heard it in forever and it was that's that's a nice tune to listen to. What about the next one? That getting into the bluesy stuff that Death Don't Have No oh, Mercy. Oh yeah. That's all Jerry. Yeah, it's all Jerry and that's a great tune and it's it is uh Almost better than it should be, really, because... Well, the, once again, the organ. Fantastic the organ, organ work in it. And for it to have... I mean, he's singing it with so much soul and passion. Yeah. And that tune is barely a year old, or two years old, maybe. Now, one thing that I picked up on today is it gives off a really hard House of the Rising Sun vibe. Like, to me, anyhow. Yeah. I'm not saying it's like a, a rip. I mean, everything's a rip off a of house right. rising sun if we want to break it down, but sure. But it just, the flow of it and the way he sings it is very in the, the Eric burden house of the rising sun kind of, kind of motif in yeah. a way. Yeah. Just slower, more plotting. It's like, I'll tell you another song that came to my mind when I was listening to it was, uh, one of the overlooked Zeppelin gems. I'm going to crawl that one kind of, <laughs> That popped into yeah. my head. It's that slow plotting bluesy right. kind of thing yeah. that just kind of takes a long time to rise and then peaks and comes right back down. Yeah, and that's what I love about that version of that song. They do not. They take their time with mm-hmm. it. You know, nothing is rushed. No, not at all. Yeah, it's slow. It's deliberate. And Jerry is singing his ass off. Like, yeah, he really does. Yep. On that one. Um. So feedback is just feedback pretty much i mean the name of the track is what it is it is feedback my theory is and you can correct me if you know the actual reason why they did the feedback experiments or whatever they're doing um thanks probably in part to ken kesey i'm sure but anyhow the i'm i'm assuming they got a head full of acid (laughs) and they wanted to be to have their own version of free jazz with feedback. Yeah. Well, it harks back to those acid trips, you know, or, uh, yeah. Oh, the Keezy, you know, uh, Mary Pranksters. Yeah. 
and or the the Kool Aid test, the acid test, yeah, yeah, or acid test. Yeah. It goes back to that as far as experimental sounds, which the Dead were always about and always have been about, which that later turned into space drums and space mm-hmm. in the shows on down the line. But even drums and space has a little more momentum to it than feedback does. Feedback is literally what it yeah. says it is. It's them setting their guitar up against the cab, turning the volume up, and then just trying to play with it to make it... Well, and you think about that time period. There were so many albums, maybe not so many, but there were albums like that, electronic sounds, or, yeah. you know, Silver Apples on the Moon. That Do you know that album? I don't know that one. That's like crazy electronic sounds and just weird. Well, not you know that album I picked up the other day that came into the shop used the electronic music. Yeah. From like 65. Right. Early synthesized music. Stuff like that to where they're just, they're always trying to catch that, that sound, that experimental. It gets a little grating at times. I'm going to call this a fail (laughs) on their part. I mean, I appreciate what they were trying to do. Yeah. But wherein somebody like Ornette Coleman, who does free jazz, the beauty of that is, and all that cacophony of sound, you start hearing patterns. Right. Because guys yeah. naturally can't help but meld into each other and start playing a, tone, after, playing a tune. Yeah. After all that noise, uh-huh. you never get it with feedback. It's yeah. literally just feedback. It's not as bad as metal machine music. <laughs> like It's not that grating. Yeah. But it's the same concept if we break it down. I mean, that's what Lou Reed did is he set and played with feedback, and that's really what they were doing with that track. Yeah. I think it fits in with the whole package yeah. of what they were doing. You what, know. Was feedback a common track for them to do? Yeah, at yeah. that time. That's too bad. <laughs> when did they? Let me ask this. When did they stop doing that? When do you think they? Probably after this year. Yeah. Yeah. Once the sixties were over, it's and like they, ah, that yeah. kind of that didn't really. And work. they moved on to the you know, yeah, the next logical step. Um, now, am I correct? And did you tell me at one time that you don't really care for the "And We Bid You Good Night"? Oh no, I love it. Oh okay, yeah. somebody told I me love at it. some point in time. They didn't I think care it's for great. That. I think it is the perfect send off as a thank you. Yeah. For supporting us or coming out to the show or whatever. It's their Seven Bridges Road. I'm just. Oh. <laughs> Did I go too far? Was yeah. that too far? Yeah. Okay, it was. I'm going to apologize. Wow. That, was a, that was a joke. <laughs> oh, man. Um, is this podcast over? First, first episode of season two. It's, it's close. done. We're close. Season over. Uh, I will say, um, outside of the music, the the album itself, the gatefold, the the package of it is yeah. wonderful. You know, this is well. This, just real quick before we get off the bid you good night, I like the version on here, but I have heard a lot better versions. Yeah, than on it's here. short. It's and, short, and the harmonies aren't super tight. Yeah, they're there, but they're not. I've heard better from like later tours and yeah. stuff. They perfected You're critical. that. You're critical, man. I still liked it. I just <laughs> said I've heard better. Yeah. But it, it's it's good. It's just not. Yeah, I've heard better live versions they've done. There were some great ones in like the early nineties. Oh, really? Yeah. Yep. They probably haven't been doing it for very long though. Oh, at this I'm point sure. in time. Yeah, probably not. But yeah, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt oh, you. Oh no. But... but this is why people buy records. For the, the package. I mean, 
the artwork is incredible. Yeah. You open it up and there's all these great black and white pictures from, I mean, the famous, uh, hate Ashbury. Yep. Oh no. I love this album. Cover. Yeah. It's one of my favorites. Um, and the, the Jerry with the dead end sign. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's great. And you know, the back cover is very reminiscent of like easy rider. True. With the American flag yep. and the, and the bright red stripes through it and all that. Yep. It's great. And then it's got this killer insert too. Yeah. That's, um, got some lyrics on it for like St. Stephen and dark star, the few in dark star. Um, there's actually, there's quite a few in dark star. They're just not real cohesive lyrics. They're a little true. Yeah. A little out there. Now, was this before Hunter started work? Robert Hunter started work? Oh, no. Was no. he? Yeah. He's, was he he's, still with him then? He's all over it. Okay. Yeah. It's just a great, um, it's just a great all around package. You yeah. know, the dead definitely hit it. And with it being the rare double live album, too. True. At the time. True. It, it is one of the, better double double live albums yeah. i would say yeah do you do you have any idea what this goes for like if you get an early copy of that now do you think it's pretty pricey or do you it think probably it probably is and in, in this day and age of vinyl <laughs> the, pricing i mean bubble we're living in yes, yes uh back in the day you know it's probably 20 bucks or something i yeah. guess which is still i mean the little 15 you know a little pricey for back then too i probably paid 10 bucks for that copy but the thing is, it's a really attractive package, which oh, drives yeah. the price up yeah. quite a bit for it. Yeah. It's just like Europe 72. Yeah. You know, that's a Do great... Do you know if they've reissued it at any no, time lately? I don't think they have. That's not one that I see all. ever. No. So it's kind of a forgotten... You know, we'll see um, Oxmox or however you say it. We'll see yeah. that one reissued. I think Music on Vinyl actually reissued that one, if I remember right. Or Rhino one. Rhino one two. did. Was it Rhino? Yeah. So we'll see things like that reissued, but we just we don't ever see Live Dead. I'm not no. sure exactly why, but it's a good it's album. Because it's a damn good album. It is a That's damn good album. I say seek it out. I think it's even a good intro into Live Dead if you want to use that as an intro. Right. I, I do too. I mean, it's a little heavy to, to take in, yeah. but if you're into, you know, freeform music or even some of the newer jam stuff like Humphreys McGee or yeah um or if you like you know if you like Jefferson Airplane if you like Cream if you oh, like yeah, any of that bluesy psych rock it'll all, be yeah be right up your alley yeah. but chances are if you like that stuff you've probably heard it right <laughs> yeah because this is right in that pile with all those great yeah. psych rock it albums. is but yeah I give it a I give it it's pretty high in my book yeah. I, I think it's high marks. Oh, 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 oh,